Welcome to the Technostatic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is your host, Randy. We're back. We're back, dude. Been a while. 2022. Everyone, yeah, dude, all over social media, people were like, where's Technostatic? Dude, I know. I've been seeing the you tweets, know? dude. Dude, the tweets were everywhere. Yeah. I sh- I was overwhelmed. I was like, guys, we need a break, dude. We work hard for this podcast, dude. Yep, too, yeah. hard. <laughs> too hard. We got some good topics today, dude. Uh, we're going to talk about CES 2022, major, major topic. Uh, we're going to talk about the 5500 X, or, yeah, 5500 XT from AMD graphics card. AMD. We're going to talk about Randy's PC upgrade. We're going to talk about Microsoft buying Activision. We're going to talk about the R5C. We're going to talk about NVIDIA. It's going to be... A whole lot of things going on, Yeah, maybe Apple. So we have a lot of topics, so we're probably going to like lightning round some of them. Yeah, uh, they got to be, dude. They got to be. I think we ought to start off with the heavy CES topic. Sure, sure. Because I know that uh, we're a little bit late on the coverage because, you know, we've been relaxing, having a little bit of a New Year situation. But uh, yeah, we got a lot of opinions. I know I do. So uh, I think everyone does. What was right? your? Uh, what do you think that? Because I think it was a pretty good year. CES was. I think it was a pretty good year because I'm kind of excited for um, a large portion of what I feel was the focus of CES, and that's new display technology. Like I'm pretty sure that right. you're in the same boat as I am. That right. like you know, uh, Eric and I both use uh, LG CX48 OLEDs as our computer screens, and for all intents and purposes, like they're probably the closest thing to what I would consider an ideal panel to be. Yet there's still some compromises, right? Like there's peak brightness, there's ABL, um, there's some uh, OLED pixel holding that like OLED kind of does because the response time is so fast as to kind of like bake in almost like a like a delay. And that increases latency, right? So uh, there's a lot of a lot of room to improve, and I think we're starting to see that in a lot of the new mainstream displays shown at CES. So we may be approaching that like holy grail uh, level of displays. And you know, one thing that I, w- I would like to see is is, is the CX48 is obviously you know 120 hertz. I would like to see that a little bit higher. Uh, right. And I think that we're going to see some pretty nice panels come out come out this year. Yeah, so one of the big highlights, and I agree with everything you said, dude. I've been looking for like the next generation of sort of display technology. And I think that what Samsung has with QD OLED looks like it could be it. So, yeah, yeah like, the technology is pretty interesting, yeah. isn't it? How, how it uses like the layers and it just uses blue light to get brighter. Yeah, which is fascinating to me. And as a result, you can get like w- with the way their display technology works, you get like richer colors and everything. Like um, it, it seems like you're you're getting a higher peak brightness. You're getting richer colors. You're, and that's kind of like really, really good. And then it's a self-emitting technology. So... Uh, you get like that kind of OLED, uh, you know, true blacks and stuff that 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 really OLED uh, is known for, uh, and you don't get blooming and things that like uh, even mini LED displays can get. So true. Um, yeah, man. So I was like really excited. So what do you know, man, like about QD OLED? Because I haven't read a white paper or okay. seen their advertisements. I just know it's a uh, Samsung, a different way of doing OLED, and then I saw a couple benefits, but like, sure, I still sure. have questions on a technical level. Does it, does it still have burn in uh, as badly as like a traditional OLED? And if it, or is it better? Because I saw like they have a three year warranty on like that. Uh, I think the Alienware uh, monitor that had the QD OLED was like a three year warranty on it. Sure, sure. For, uh, for burn in stuff. So like, do, do you know anything about the burn in? 
because that's one of the concerns for a lot of people, right? Like, well, I mean, I'm not concerned. Yes and no. Yes and right? no. So, okay. It should be more resilient against burn in. So, like, let me back up and kind of explain what I know is okay. the difference between. Uh, between uh your standard oled and then your your qd oled and right. you know like this is just the information that i gathered very quickly you know just from doing my own research on the internet uh so essentially how oleds work right now is they're like an rgbw subpixel you know yeah. so like uh burning is kind of a a bad term for what happens to OLEDs because they don't, it's not necessarily image retention. It's no, it's a fading certain, thing. Kind it's of. certain pixels aging yeah. faster than other pixels, right? It's so like if you send a constant current through, let's say, red and blue. I couldn't find that in your Thanks, Apple <laughs> Thanks Siri. You um, Siri does not no. want to. Siri's no. like, I want to be in the podcast, dude. Yeah, Siri's like, well, oh, dude, can I, I get That's in one thing that? I hate. Like, I get that all the time myself. Yeah, dude. Especially if I say the uh, seriously word. Uh, seriously? Yeah, that's yeah, my dude. word that, like, triggers it every time. <laughs> and when I'm gaming, I'm like, are you serious? And then, like, bam. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so, go ahead. So, so, so yeah, so essentially... Um, with like white OLED, you know, with like our, the, the RGBW subpixel that LG uses in all of their LG display uses in all their panels. I feel like Vincent Tia when I say LG display, dude, because he always yeah. says LG. He never just says LG. He always says with LG display. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, a, but funny. anyway, uh, I digress. I'm off track here. Um, so essentially, um, LG OLED has a, a RGBW subpixel where uh, they have white emitting diodes for all of those colors, right? And right. the reason they have white um, is because uh, uh, just just the RGB subpixel layout for for OLED couldn't get bright enough. So so pretty much every time you see like an OLED image, my understanding is it also has to light the white as well. Okay. Uh, and that could create a problem, right? Because then that then the white's always on. It's always you know different values are going to red, different values are going to green, different values are going to blue, and different values are going to white. Right. So what's interesting about QD OLED is as you as as you know i'm sure and as some of our viewers may or may not know blue is the brightest led that you can make you know blue is basically the driving force behind brightness uh that, that's why like when you turn your screen up on your cell phone or whatever uh the blue level always looks to be elevated or like that's why if you look at those uh like samsung televisions from back in the day uh, when they would be in like torch mode at Best Buy, and then like you would measure them, like the blue would clip through the through 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 like the like right. histogram chart on like the colors because blue blue is bright, right? So essentially, what QD OLED is is instead of using an RGBW subpixel, the only light emitting color is blue, okay. and then and then it uses quantum dot layers of red and green to make the other colors. Okay, um, nice. And, and then there's like a, a quantum dot layer for blue as well to give it the same tone, which doesn't affect tint at all. It just kind of tones it off. It's just, it's, it's just kind of like a similar quantum dot layer so that so they all go through the same QD layer to kind of balance out the tonality properly. But you also get 
multiple benefits with that, you know, because you're, you're, you're basically using blue for everything. Your pixels will age more uniformly. So burn in, you probably will still get because pixels will still age and, you know, like sending current through a light emitting diode or even sending current through any type of silicon, you know, will just age over time. You know what I mean? Like, right. like, like I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there who have had like overclocks on their processor. Uh, and then they run their computer for, you know, eight, nine years. Then they realize it's no longer stable at that same voltage. You know, it's kind of the same deal here. Right. Uh, so essentially you probably will see less burn-in because the blue subpixel layer is the one doing all of the light emitting. And then the quantum dot layer is the one that's uh, applying the color. Okay. Um, so, you know, coming back to the standard LG OLED of the RGBW subpixel layout, uh, they basically have to always like kind of toss in white a little bit to kind of make like your reds and greens all of the same color. So, 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 so then like, and, and again, this is just my understanding. Right. So when you have like a typical LG OLED, like the blue can get super bright, but the red and green can't. So right. then the red and green use the white sub pixel to kind of boost the brightness of that, but it can only take it so far before those <clears> colors <throat> become inaccurate. So, so, so then you reach a brightness limitation, right? Because you can't outdo the white to match the red and green because then your coloring is off. Okay. So you, ha so you kind of run into some issues there. Yeah, dude, that's exactly right. Like see how blue will become everything. Yeah. On the, so on the, what uh, I want to do is the QD um, OLED layer. Yeah. I'm going to show the podcast, this, uh, this, this webpage, sure. this is like a smartpricks.com. They got like this, uh, amazing diagram here where they show in a traditional OLED versus like a QD OLED. Uh, and you can see the sub pixel arrangement includes the white, Right. So uh, like, so, so like, see how in the diagram on the left guys, like this is kind of what I was explaining. Like no matter what color is going through the RGB on the white OLED, white is always getting through. Yeah. Okay. Whereas, whereas on the QD OLED, it's just blue base from everything. Yeah. And then the quantum dot layer is what actually gives you your tones. Yeah. So you get, you get two bonuses here, right? You get less susceptible burn in because white doesn't have to blast everything to, to, to keep up with the, with the blue subpixel. Right. And two, because blue is already the brightest and blue is your main source, you you have an infinitely higher peak brightness. Yeah, and, and that's one thing I want to mention is, you know, I had a DLP projector. And one of the things, uh, actually I still do, right? And uh, the one I have in there has like a, an RG and a B that it like cycles through with like a, a, a wheel or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but like you can buy a different version of that that includes a, a white also. So it's like a RGB white and it achieves higher peak brightness. But what I've seen in practice is it means washed out colors. Yep. Um, so what I'm thinking is this is much in the same way where you eliminate the white subpixel and your colors are the ones that are doing uh, your white. Yep. So I think as a result, you're going to get much richer colors on these yeah. displays. No, that's correct. And that's, that's what, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I think uh, HTTV test uh, YouTube channel, they went and he went and saw. And you know he he also agreed that you know the colors LG display the uh, yes yes they they punch yeah uh, so I was and, like, and yeah, that's yeah. why that's why yeah, yeah and it's fascinating and and the fact that we can get higher peak brightnesses I think this might be the replacement uh, for for OLEDs for for me personally because yeah um, well you, you, it could yeah, to be, be fair. To be fair, you know, the color spectrum is RGB. Adding white is 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 a crutch. You know it what I mean? Is. It's it's. And let me ask you another question. Do you know this? So the subpixel arrangement does having a weird subpixel arrangement impact text retention and like, 
or is that something else? Because I remember discussion I mean, about like um, certain text looking funny with different subpixel arrangements, and I didn't know if that was like based in fact or not. Do you know I what I'm talking so. about? I do, I do, and actually, this my knowledge on this goes back to Android phones. Okay, and yeah, because you had like a really weird subpixel arrangements, right? On. So, like Android phones, like back in the day, like now we have premium Android phones, but that's no longer the case. But back in the day, you know, Android phones came in as a as almost like a cheaper alternative to the iPhone. And like, I don't want to sound like Android phone sucked because I thought the Nexus was really cool, you know, like side loading and all that stuff. But the target market for an Android phone was to undercut the cost of the iPhone. You know what I mean? It was mass market penetration. Let's get that in there. And I don't know if you remember this, you probably do when I bring it up, but older Android phones had what was called a pentile subpixel arrangement. Yeah. So I'm going to show this to the podcast. Do you know which one of these is, uh, is what we're talking about? <laughs> me? You're asking me? Yeah. I think the one on the right is Pentile. Okay, so here's the for the podcast, here's different subpixel arrangements. So the one on the far right being the Pentile one. Okay. But whereas like I don't even see a traditional uh arrangement where it's just R G and B like side by side and like uh that's like the OG, right? Right. Um so like here I'll I'll send you that link too. But um just because you can't really see what the podcast can see, but um, this right here is like a more traditional subpixel arrangement where you have mm-hmm. like the R and the G and the B right there uh, side by side, whereas like uh, some smartphones would do this. So, what do you know about like um, text retention or like you know anything about? So, like I don't the- know, I don't know a lot about text retention when it comes to pentel displays, but what I can tell you is that. With older Android phones, the issue with text sharpness and pentile displays is that the edges of text may not always line up correctly, right? Because like right. pentile displays are not uniform in the sense of they, they're they're patterned, but they're not uniform. If that makes sense, right. so so your text could essentially land because because like text on a screen can can, can be displayed anywhere, right? right? So like if you land if like your, your text edges land in a section of the pentile display that it can't display that color properly, it's going to look smeary. Yep. Um, so that's my knowledge of it. I don't know anything about, you know, from text retention or not. I believe that we have to probably do more with, with, with actual, you know, diode usage instead of the actual layout of the diodes. Okay. But, but, but pentile displays do tend to look a little bit blurry. And if you notice, there are some people who say on the LG, on, on the LG OLEDs that sometimes text doesn't look proper. Right. Um, and that's because of the white and, that, and that's because of the white subpixel. That's what I because, thought. Because the white subpixel throws off the, the, uh, the pattern or right. the okay. or the layout of the RGB subpixels because it has to add in white. So if something lands on essentially where that white subpixel is, it's going to look a little smeary. I mean, like it's really hard to notice on on, on our CX48s because it's kind of like a high res screen. Right. Uh, but like if you really wanted to get nitpicky and put it under a microscope or you even look at really thin fine text, you would probably notice it pretty easily. Yeah, for sure. Um, like 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 for example, on our on our element window, like the the top of the M in the chat room, I can see it a little bit there. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I can, I I know what you're talking about, dude. So, so yeah, so That's why I think it's a good idea that we're removing it. So, yeah. the fact that we're going through just to uh RGB and getting rid of the white, you're going to get better colors, you're going to get um uh you know, they're they're advertising better peak brightnesses. I really want to know how they're going to do with like ABL. Do you know anything about that? 
because you uh, know, nothing one... was announced. Um, yeah, uh, but to my understanding, and you know, this is my this is just my random my random guess, right? Right. Um, is that we probably won't have ABL, and that if we largely... don't have ABL, that's going to be crazy. And that's because it's a power thing, right? So, like, yeah. if they're just lighting blue diodes, I don't see that being a power issue and i don't see it being an issue where they have to limit the screen okay um so i don't again i could have abl but i foresee it if if you held a gun to my head i I would say it would not have abl okay so for those listening that don't know what abl is uh it's basically what will limit your like if you have your uh uh how do you describe abl dude so uh, like uh, automatic peak brightness or um... essentially what ABL is is it's basically an auto brightness limiter. Yeah, that's okay. What it is. So so literally, <laughs> by definition, so, yeah. So like literally speaking, like if you if you get a CX forty eight or any OLED for that matter, and you and you open a screen, okay, and 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 and, and you open, let's say, let's say you open, let's say you open Photoshop. Okay, and Photoshop is like all gray. It's gonna look really nice. It's gonna look really clean. It's gonna look really bright. And then you want to Google something, and then you open up Google, and you make that full window. Uh, it has to display white across all forty-eight inches of of, of the display, right. which means that it has to fire all four subpixels to make white. And it becomes a power limitation thing where it will cut the brightness to each pixel because it has to light up all four pixels. Right. So my understanding, you know, I'm not a display technician. But with the QD OLEDs, it always only lights blue. So yeah, that's... It, I, I don't think we'll have ABL yeah, for, the, I, for that reason. Because like if you open yeah. up Google to make that white, it has to light four subpixels. Right. Does that kind of make sense? No, I think so. So it's going to be very interesting because if we don't have ABL, like that's a direct advantage. You know, one of the things I noticed while playing Monster Hunter World in HDR was some of the areas that were very bright, uh, like outdoorsy could... areas the it not only limited peak brightness but it also sort of washed out the colors as a result uh and i just felt like it was uh dull you know uh, when abl was kicked in uh when i was in those lush like kind of uh forest areas that were covered with uh shadow but like a couple lights were coming in it looked really punchy and bright because there was none of that but uh but abl really kind of uh i won't say it ruined it but it, it definitely impacted my uh, so, enjoyment of the display. So if you if you play Monster Hunter World, uh, shocker, we've been playing Monster, or Monster Hunter Rise. Yeah. Uh, so a lot. Get pre- prepared for some reference for that because we've been addicted. Yeah, addicted. Dude. Uh, I got like sixty hours, I think. Yeah, dude, it, it was bizarre world because like I was talking to Kelly, like like a sw- a slight segue here, and she was like, "Man, you guys play a lot of games." I'm like, I, I just want to point something out, dude. Eric, uh, Monster Hunter World has been out for four days. And yeah. Eric has like 48 hours on it. He played for over 10 hours every day. Yeah. And she is like, does he have a kid? I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Amanda um, was like, uh, she actually gave me a talking to. She's like, yo, you can't be playing that. Like, I was like, all right. All right. She's like, I haven't seen you in four days. Like, I was like, okay. Um, all so, right. Well, thanks for letting me play while <laughs> you so know you did. <laughs> if you sit by the item box in, in the village, and you just move your right stick up and down. So like it goes from ground sky, ground sky, ground sky. It'll literally just ABL constantly. Yeah. That's like the constantly, thing. Like, 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 like 100% replicatable yeah. every single time. 
Yeah, and that's the thing, man. Like I, you know, we came from PG two seven UQs at one point, and those things had a thousand nits peak brightness and no ABL. And even though it wasn't, it wasn't even micro LED. It was just like a, uh, uh, you know, it's just a full uh, array local dimming yeah. decent LCD panel. Like in yeah. my opinion, in my opinion, like the PG twenty seven UQ is probably oh no peak peak LCD panel. You know what I mean? Like, like that's full maturity standard LCD panel. Like, like that's the best that they can get that technology. Right, right. Like, 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 like not talking quantum dot. Not talking, you know, anything because Samsung makes some really nice and really impressive quantum dot to more traditional LCD LED panels. Um, right, but right, just right, right, not right. quantum dot, just straight LCD LED panel. I think that that was probably close to the pinnacle of what that technology can do. Right, 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 right. Yeah, give me one second. I'm fixing my camera because uh, it decided to overheat. I think. <laughs> oh, dude, you always make fun of me, dude. Yeah, dude, it's uh, it got a little hot. It got a little hot, dude. Well, you know, the R5 is not throwing any warnings, dude. Dude, <laughs> you know what it was? Is like it's it's one of those things where uh, if I don't have the the back screen like folded out, it'll get warm. It'll get I, hot. Yeah. I have mine folded in, dude. Do you? Yeah. Dang, dude, dude you're that good. No, dude, I, it's it's just literally blown out of proportion, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, for both cameras, like like I I, I think under standard normal operating procedure, you probably won't have an issue with either camera overheating. Like there's people who are like, oh my god, dude, I recorded 8K 30 in a hot room with the screen closed for 33 minutes and it overheated. It's unusable. Like you're never gonna do that. No, no. You know what I mean? Like you're never gonna sit down and just nuts to balls just record 33 minutes of 8K. No, no, no. And no, no, no. and if that's your if if that's your market, Sony sells a camera that does that. If that's yeah. your market, Canon sells a camera that does that. Right. If you right. want a hybrid, you know, you have to realize that, that there are small limitations, right, but right. they're easily workarounds, you know. So I want to circle back, dude. So I got my let's, camera let's good. Back into I turned it, it back right. on. Right. So I, check I, this I was out. I just blowing ass while no, you were. Uh, no, dude, it's fine. I, I I just had to turn it off, <laughs> blow on it a little bit, you know, like a, in, a Nintendo cartridge, you know. Yeah, dude. And then uh, flip the screen out, and we're good. So anyway, so check it out. One of the things I want to talk about is the best. So obviously, we care about uh, these display technologies because we use them in our gaming sure. monitors. Sure. Uh, you know, I have a an LG TV, and I know you were like eventually going to upgrade your Samsung boy uh so like you know we care about these display technologies so like what was your best of show like as far as monitors go because oh that's samsung g8 or g9 the 32 inch 4k that's my next man that that's that, I'm, I'm probably gonna get two of those to be quite samsung g9 what about the g8. alienware uh 34 inch boy Did I, you see I, I don't do ultra whites um, I like oh, them, but I just dang. don't do ultra whites for multiple reasons. It makes dual monitors really awkward. Not every game supports it, and then that gets me frustrated. Um, and I kind of just so like it's what it's the uh, it's the Samsung G8, G8, not the 32. G9. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is it the G8 Neo or is that something else? It's it's the G8 Odyssey Neo. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking at it's different. 4K, uh, 240 hertz. Oh my uh, god, dude! So, um, does this use the QD OLED or is this something else? This is um, is it like mini LED? It's mini LED. Okay, oh, it's mini okay. LED. It's four K, two forty hertz, mini LED, thousand uh, R curve. You ready, dude? Yeah, two thousand nits. Wow, dude, that thing's gonna blast 4K, your eyes 240, out. Four K, two forty, two thousand nits. Okay, okay. What kind of panel is this? LCD. It's mini LED. It's mini LED. It's probably okay. VA. If okay. I had to guess, I would so, say it's probably yeah, yeah, VA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Uh, I mean, the monitor looks cool and it's got a curve on it. Yeah. Looks like. Yeah. 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 Okay. And apparently it's going to retail at $12.99. So I would probably get two of these. $12.99. So you don't do ultra wise. Interesting. Dude. I don't. I don't. And it's largely because um, when you spend as much on computer hardware as we do, yeah. booting a game up that doesn't run optimally is just ass cancer. And that happens with ultra wides. You know a I mean? lot. I mean, yeah. yeah, but it's less and less common. Um, I found that there's a way. There's always a way, a hacky way to make ultra wide work, except for if you're Overwatch, um, because you wouldn't want to. You lose too much you, Z. Yeah, yeah, you lose or, or the y. Z. Sorry, use use Y, not Z. Yeah, you're right. Um, so no, no, it's Z, right? Because it would be on a. Uh, it it doesn't I, matter. Dude. How does it apply it to monitors? Be, uh, it depends on what software you're using, whether or yeah. not it's X, Y, and Z. But yeah, it's one of the axes, right? You lose vertical resolution because they yeah. crop you. Uh, and that's the worst way to handle um, that situation. I don't know, man. I think my best in show might have been that Alienware. Uh, you know, it's QD OLED. It's ultra wide. Okay. So you're using the new technology um, that, you know, we just got done talking about. Um it's real nice, thirty four forty by fourteen forty. I won't get it because I'm kind of like four K or bust, right? Um, so well, it's not about PPI, right? Like, what's the PPI? This is probably higher. Or well, it's thirty four inch, so it's going to be like an X thirty four. You know, it's what probably I mean? similar to our. Um, let me see here. It's it's going to be like an X thirty four. You know what I mean? But it's going to have the QD OLED in it, and um, you know, it's going to be HDR and everything. Let me. I'm trying to see what the peak brightness is on it. And I like the design of it too. It kind of looks kind of kind of looks sick, but uh, I don't know, man. Very nice looking. I, I the QD OLED is. I just got my eye on it, right? So I'm really looking forward to products coming out uh, in the QD OLED category. Did you see the PG42UQ? That's another I monitor. I didn't. Yeah. So that's uh, you know obviously we care about uh, so. So I just want to point this out here right now. Uh, yeah. 3440 by 1440 uh, ultra wide, 34 inches, has a higher pixel density than our current panels. I mean, that makes sense. But like I have so much screen real estate because it's big, like in yeah. my eyes. And I yeah. have more pixels, theoretically. You do like pixel density yeah. is one thing, but like I have more pixels. You know what I mean? So and, and that ultimately wins. Like... Who has more pixels? That's going to give you the most screen real estate for everything. Right. So whether I'm not, I'm not arguing that, I'm just you know what I mean? Like clarity, I guess. No, yeah, yeah. No, as far as clarity goes, it's going to be fantastic. This um, this this Alienware is G Sync Ultimate at 175 hertz. Okay, well. it's pretty good. Pretty good. Its peak brightness is a thousand nits. Thousand nits. So it's really it's it's a but solid it's two, pick. But, but it's 250 nits standard. What's the cost? Because, like, you can run it in, like, I mean, standard, who cares? Because, like, if you're going to run it in uh, HDR mode on Windows, you can, like, crank it up if you want. And then, yeah, I don't know what the on-screen controls will let you do, but as long as it says 1,000 nits peak, you should be pretty good. Yeah, one thing that's interesting I find is this, uh, uh, what is this, the PG42UQ. Because it's a 42-inch gaming monitor so it's so, basically so take this with a grain of salt yeah but i found an article on digital trends and like i couldn't find it anywhere okay anywhere else but they say it's gonna be four thousand dollars god dang yeah that's trash get out of here 
Get out of here. Nobody and, wants that. And it's apparently only HDR 400, according to this. How? It's a thousand nits peak, right? It's a thousand nits peak, but it's overall is HDR 400, apparently, according That's to this. That's weird. Yes, this is definitely the monitor, and it says brightness two two hundred and fifty nits typical, a thousand nits peak. Uh, All right, it's HDR garbage. mode. It's display HDR four hundred true black. Okay, that's garbage, dude. Get it out of here. I'm telling you, that Samsung G eight is the one you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty garbage. I, the PG. Let me tell you about that real quick. PG four two UQ, OLED forty two inch monitor. All right, let me pull it up. I didn't see this one yet. PG four two. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm Jamie obviously pulled it up for me, dude. <laughs> love it, love it. Ooh, pretty good pick, man. I mean, honestly, it's just a rebranded LG forty two, though. Yeah, it is. It is though. So, so why would I get this? You won't. I just thought like, it was cool. Like, does this add anything other no. than? No, it adds a gamey design, gamer design. Yeah, like, 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 like other than a design I don't want. Yeah, does I it know. add anything? Nope. Nope. Other well, than well, hold, I think well, hold that, on. It, it does have an anti-glare micro texture coating, but I kind of like the glossy boy. I think no, look glossy better. is better. Yeah, I yeah, think so. I think too. objectively, I think so too. Yeah. So like, so like, this is just worse than getting the 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 LG OLED, right? Yeah, it is. I wouldn't do it. I just wanted to see what you had to say about it. But uh, I like that we're getting forty-two inch OLEDs though, because the forty-eight is for a lot of people too big. I found that I'm very used to it. Dude, I, uh, uh, can I talk about that for a second? Because yeah. like my friends come over every Saturday, and like they're they're competitive gamers. You know what I mean? Like oh, they play yes. League of Legends constantly, dude. Yes, and, and I know like, what you're talking. And, and, and there's like, and, and like uh, we were drinking a little bit, and and like I fired up a league game, and they were watching. They're like, "How do you fucking play on that thing, man? You can't even see <sighs> the mini map. That thing's such junk." You know what I mean? Like it was just like. Okay, but like the, the like like the ninety five percent of games I do play, yeah. it's a totally immersive experience. And like I'm thirty four years old, yeah. I have a job. Like 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 I'm not gonna be like like I'm not a pro gamer, man. Like, Guy, like here's my argument me, to those people, yeah. dude. If you fucking don't care, if you don't like how big it is, play it in a fucking window, dude. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. You can literally get like um like a, a, a what is it twenty five sixty by fourteen forty p window. That's yeah. like the size of like a 1440p monitor. You know what I'm saying? So like, so the only problem I have with the size is I can't fit a second one on my desk. Yeah, I know. And, like, and I do I, like I dual really monitor. want dual monitors. Yeah, I really do want dual monitors again. So like that's that's where the size is an issue to me. Like I could I could fit 248s on my desk for this sure. It's going to sound weird. Do you know how the what do you call it? What's that laptop that has the screen above the keyboard? The Zephyr, the the, the Asus Zephyr. It's yeah, Zephyr it's like duo? yeah, the duos. Yeah, I kind of want a duo type of thing, but like for my desk, right? like, <laughs> like right here. Down? Yeah, like just right here. Like because like I can't put one next to me. I don't want to put one above me because I don't want to break my neck. Above like, is bad. Yeah, but like because I've had my TV up there and it's never been good. So, so like. Maybe maybe the play is we raise the forty eight a little bit and then we put the smaller monitor under it. Well, yeah, like I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. I just want something like you know how like the iPads kind of clutch, you know, with like mm-hmm. uh, what do you call that sidecar where you can make yeah. it a second monitor. Like if it, if I could take the iPad and like put it in like a slightly tilted but kind of mostly laid down angle right there because I just need it for like your Discord Teamspeak sort of thing element. Yeah, like. 
you know, and I no, can I look down it. and see it. So I, I don't know. I think that that would be enough for me to be happy. Like I don't need like a big dual monitor really. Like the only reason, let me be real with you. The only reason you're going to get two of the, the G eights is so you can have a pretty desk. And True. have matching True. monitors. True. Of course. You know what I mean? That's what's awesome. You don't need a, a G8 for Discord. You know what no, I mean? No, dude. You don't need look, a fucking G8 dude. for Discord. It's got to look good, though. That's dude. what I mean. Like, you're going to pay the big bucks just so you can have a sexy desk. That's that's 100% <laughs> correct. You are not wrong. That's right. Yeah, I don't blame Did you. you blame either. me, though? No, I don't blame yeah. you either because, like, I would do the same. But, like, god dang, dude. Yeah, it's, a, it's that. <laughs> It's that it's yeah. an aesthetic tax, dude. It is, but like for me, I mean, you know, I have like, for example, right, uh, for my camera right here, I'm using a uh, a little monitor for my little teleprompter setup, right? And that's sure. just that has an HDMI input, dude. Like I could use that down here, like you know what I'm saying, as a monitor, um, or or something equivalent, dude. I get a little ninja, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> a little ninja, dude. A little Atomos. Dude. Yeah, a little Atomos ninja. Put it down there, hook it up, and. Uh, I'd have to make it look pretty, right? Like, it couldn't be jank. But uh, all I need is a second display that I could throw that stuff I on. I mean, but, but that's kind of true of anything, right? Like, like you could buy, you could, you could buy like, case fans that perform relatively well for, like, $14 a fan, right? Or I don't know. Buy... <laughs> I don't know any. Like, every mean? time I've bought cheap fans, they've been cheap oh. fans. But, uh... I, I have a Noctua Redux that I, I, I paid $14.99 for. Oh, so, okay, never mind. Noctua's yeah, it's thirteen ninety nine. Trustworthy. They're they're, they're thirteen ninety five on Amazon right now. Yeah, and they're and they're just the gray Noctua Reduxes. Um, but I digress, right? Oh, so like, yeah, you, I have some Noctua's just like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like they're fine fans. I didn't realize you know that's I mean? how much they cost. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they, they're fine I, fans. I use all Noctua, like some Redux, some of them with different. Uh, yeah, they're all Redux fans actually. Yeah, they're nice fans, right? Yeah. But like, or I can spend one hundred and twenty dollars on three AL one twenties from Lee and Lee and look good. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's dude. like, it's like you pay you pay to look good. You do, you really do. It's crazy. But yeah, so as far as monitors go, I mean, I'm excited that we're getting forty two inch OLEDs. I'm excited that we have QD OLED, and um, yeah, man, it's going to be a really great year for monitors. I think we got some bangers coming out competition is going to mean prices are going to go down more <laughs> hdr monitors no they're not no, well not, not for they're, emerging they're technologies yourself, dude. dude well they'll not for yourself, well you know what the dude. problem is it's not really competition because it's only lg really making these oled panels uh and then it's now you have the cutie oleds and those are going to be ridiculous you know what i mean in cost because they're brand new and they're they know what they got you know what i mean so they're not going to cheap they're not going to make it for cheap there's no way it's going to be their flag flagship technology. So yeah, it's going to be a couple of years before we see those drop in price and like actually obtainable. Sure. But I do like that we're getting at least 42 inch OLEDs because I, you know, I stand behind my monitor purchase. I think that this, uh, the LG 48 inch TVs as computer monitors are still like the best you can get, uh, as far as like, uh, a package, you know what I mean? I think that they're the best. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I remember I went, this was a spontaneous purchase because you talked to me into it, I think. <laughs> I did, dude. I, I, I mean, come on, though. Yeah, a good one, right? It was a good one. It was a good one. I was really, it was hurt. It hurt me to get rid of the uh, 
the PG27UQ, which is uh, right now it's Amanda's primary monitor, but uh, it did hurt me to get rid of that because I fought so hard for that one too. You convinced me to get that one also. I did. Which is, uh, you're a bad influence on me. Are you, <laughs> you know that? I'm not, dude, you're a bad influence <laughs> on me. Oh my God, dude. Like, like, like look at my garage, dude. I think that that kind of uh, lines up. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. We, yeah, we both got the Model 3s. That's funny. All right, dude. Let's move on to the next topic, I guess. Which what do you what are you feeling, dude? Do you want to talk about the fifty five hundred XT? Uh, well, let's let's touch on graphics cards a little bit because we can talk about the thirty eighty uh, the thirty eighty twelve them. gig, the thirty ninety Ti, and the fifty five hundred XT. Right. right. Yeah. Do you want to talk yeah. about like actually they were putting a lot of stuff in laptops too, like Nvidia? Like what were they doing? They were like uh, yeah, like the so thirty eighty like, Ti and stuff in laptop. I don't know if it, yeah, I think that there's not, there's not a 3080 Ti Max Q, but yeah. like, admittedly, I don't follow gaming laptops that much because I would never buy a laptop that's not a MacBook. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but I like to laugh. At, I like to look at it just to compare to my MacBook. So, like, even, like, you saw the stuff that like Intel puts out and stuff, like, oh, we can outperform Intel M1 Max now. Yeah, but your battery life isn't going to outperform the M1 Max. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and it's like, like half you plugged in and yeah, all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But graphics cards, man. So feed me the news, man. What's, what's interesting to you about what I think what's out? interesting to me is, like, I don't think that these companies, AMD or NVIDIA alike, have really anything up their sleeve. So they're just rehashing old hardware. And I think that – I think – and this is just a theory. I think that what they're doing, right, is, like, despite um, – uh, despite this – this like graphic shortage that we're going through all this tells me is that amd and nvidia are still binning parts for themselves to be greedy so amd is rumored to come out with a 6900 xtx which is basically a perfectly bin 6900 xt right and now nvidia can't beat them to the gun and came out with a 39 with a 3090 ti which is just a perfectly bin 3090 so literally they 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 had to get stock from this somewhere right so that means that like during this during this shortage of both you know gen sun Wang or whatever his name is, and Lisa Sue spewing us all of these, you know, conversations and discussions about like, oh, we're for the gamers. We disabled crypto mining. We're a gaming centric company. We care about the players. Bullshit. Dude. Yeah, you guys have been shit. holding stock of GPUs to re-release a new product at a higher price. Yeah, you it's know some I mean? bullshit. Yeah, I mean, we all know that they're being shady as fuck. I mean, and granted, like whatever they make, dude, they've been selling everything, and you know that's why GP, like the G, with the uh, the silicon shortage plus supply chain issues, all that crap added up, and like now you have scalpers, like it's just ridiculous. Uh, miners and scalpers like are grabbing everything up, and um, it sucks right now. And they know what they got, dude. Like why why do they have to compete? Where they sell everything that they put out. You know what I mean? Even if it's garbage. And speaking of garbage, dude, that 5500 XT seems Oof. like complete garbage, Oof. dude. Oof, it doesn't seem like it, dude. It is. Like, it is garbage. Like, it is. It is. Uh, so, it's what? What is it? Like, so, 200 bucks or something? It's what is it? supposed to be. Allegedly. I didn't say allegedly. MSRP. Uh, a dollar. You know I mean? $1.99. Allegedly. Okay. Yeah, allegedly, yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> Can you pull up the spec page on this for the oh audience if possible? Is, is that something we can do? Dude? Yeah, let me. Uh, I'm going to. Should I go to the AMD's page here for that specifications? <sighs> yeah, I'm trying to find one that like gives us like a nice spreadsheet type of thing here. Yeah, 
Yeah, because when I click on specs, okay. Well, I mean, I mean, their product page has uh, specs at the bottom. Does that give? Does that run down what you want? Um, yeah, uh, it does. Can you send it to me? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, I if you click on specifications and scroll down. So this is what we're looking at for the viewers out there. This is the AMD website where they talk about the 5500 XT. You can see the GPU specs here, frequency, transistor count. Um, you can see how there's no media engine um, when it comes to... Uh, well, you know what? Shoot, they say like there's encode, decode for... Um, uh, H264, uh, and it looks like so, H265. First off, first off, I apologize. We're on the wrong card. The card is a 6500 XT. Oh my god, dude. Yeah. Dude. Okay, so actually, this is. I'm gonna keep this up. I'm gonna compare it. So 6500 XT, right? Um. Okay, so specifications. Okay, so I can see the difference here. Because you have uh. It says no 4K H.264 encode um, and no H.265 HEVC encode. So the media engine stuff is uh, gimped, is what they're saying, right? Uh, it's not gimped. It's non-existent. <laughs> yeah, well, it's weird because they say supported rendering format like 4K H.264 decode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Decode is fine. It can play videos. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it can't encode video, so you can't stream with it. So, like, if you were to play, like, even I don't know, man, like Minecraft, and you wanted to stream Minecraft, you would have to use CPU encode. You cannot so you can't even use enable. GPU no. encode. Nope. Yeah, nope. garbage. Nope. Dude. Nope. Garbage. Useless. useless that's yeah. pretty bad dude a lot of people want to use their cards I for know, that i know um I know. yeah that's ridiculous so tell me more about how this card sucks right i mean the price is the price but uh the performance is extremely lack lack lackluster uh s4 gigs of vram um if you're on the product spec page look at the memory bus dude okay so gpu memory and we're gonna look at they said memory interface is 64 bit yeah, and up to 144 gigabytes a second, which is significantly sound kind of low. It's very low, actually. So I'm trying to see here, just looking at the 5500 XT, because we I had it up. The memory bandwidth on that was 224 gigabytes a second. So even compared to that, it's 144 gigabytes a second, significantly gimped. Yeah. Um, so they definitely went, and that was max memory eight gig. So this one is going to be max memory four gig. This card is garbage. Like it's a it's a yeah. direct downgrade, I, even from last year's card. But it, even compared to cards that are super old, it's like pretty garbage. Yeah, it's also interesting uh, from 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 a few standpoints. You know, it's 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 interesting that. Um, uh, it's PCIe 4.0 4x, yeah, but it only has traces for 4x, so it can't run in any higher in any higher spec than 4x. It can't yeah. run in 8x, and it can't run in by 16. So if you are, so essentially that means that you can only get quote peak performance out of this card uh, on basically Zen 3 and uh, Intel 12th gen. Right, and if you're on Zen 3 or Intel 12th gen, you're not in the market for a 199 dollars graphics card. 
No. You know what I mean? Like it's it's bizarre world. And like Yeah. And like you're probably gonna have some people who are like not really understanding of that because you know there's probably like a lot of our listeners who are like oh but i thought like pci gen 4 doesn't matter and like you're right it doesn't right because we haven't saturated pci 3 by 16 i kind of disagree dude like you remember when i wasn't running in uh gen 4 like i would legit be able to if i was streaming right like using the media engine and stuff like i could Mm -hmm. push my pcie gen 3 lane like to where i was like receiving lag in my stream but if i go to gen 4 now it's like butter so like i need to be on gen 4 to be able to use like the nvidia encoder at like with 4k like 60 fps like you know what i mean like it there's bandwidth there that's happening <laughs> i don't know like i feel like, like i, I feel like you. i have it well i'm just I telling you, you what I, what yeah. i do like it, yeah. it it suffers performance suffers if i'm not on uh gen 4 gen 4 yeah so like I, it might be that like you can, but this one it, you won't have to worry about that with this card because like you're not you don't have a well, media engine, so who cares? I digress. Anyway, it does matter with this card. Yeah. Um And the reason it matters for this card is because PCIe Gen Four Four X is eight gigabits per second or, or something like that. Okay. Uh, let me see what it is. PCIe Gen Four Four X speed. Uh, it's sixteen. Uh, it's sixteen. Okay. Okay. Let me see here. That was eight though. Yeah, I don't know. Unless they're giving me the wrong number. Yeah, I'm unsure. So, you know, while you're looking that up... Yeah. uh, One of the things that they have on their, uh, I guess, on their product page for the 6500 XT is, you know, you could say, like, look, 1080p high settings, and then they have several different games, and then they give you up to, like, for example, Halo Infinite, up to 78 frames per second... Fortnite up to 104 frames per second you know they talk about like oh farming simulator 22 dude up to 115 frames per second call of duty vanguard up to 61 frames per second you know what they probably had to cherry pick games because they were like shoot dude we can't show any games that go under 60 oh thank god we can put call of duty on this list because we we were able to hit 61 frames in a certain like scenario looking at the sky or looking down at the ground you know what i mean like this this is so misleading because i'll tell you for a fact that that four gigs of video ram uh, is going to be very limiting because many games like textures and uh, a lot of these different graphics technologies will eat up your VRAM. I'm telling you right now, 4 gigs is very... Like, you're playing at 1080p, right? This is a, to be absolutely clear, 1080p graphics card, right? Even then, like 4 gigs, like you're going to have times where you're going to have to downgrade your graphics and struggle. And to be fair, it's a budget card. You're going to be downgrading your graphics anyway, but I I feel like you're going to hit those, you know, these cheap budget cards that come with so many of these compromises, you're going to be hitting walls like all the time, different bottlenecks in different areas, whether it's memory bandwidth, whether it's, you know, your max memory being only four gigs, you're going to hit these walls and you're going to feel limited, right? Like it used to be, you didn't have to worry about memory after a certain point. It was like, okay, I got enough. And then, like, you really only cared about, like, how much, uh, you know, horsepower does your GPU have? Like, raw mm-hmm. power. Right. Uh, rasterized power. 
But now you have to worry about more bottlenecks, not just like your GPU overall performance, but you got to worry about like hitting, you know, memory bottlenecks. You got to worry about hitting memory capacity bottlenecks. You got to worry about other things. And it's like, why do you, you're just inconveniencing yourself. You are. In my opinion. Yeah. And you don't have to. Like, I feel like if you're going for a budget card, dude, like either I would, I'd either buy used if you could. I mean, shoot, you know, even used cars though, it's a hard recommendation. Uh, I, I, I think that like there's two cards that really stick out to me as being really good cards. Yeah. Uh, um, the 1080 Ti, I, I think, is a really good used bargain. Uh, yeah. So 1080 Ti, can you even get those for cheap? I don't know. I'm sure at one point you could. Probably not anymore because so, people would probably realize that they're good value. Ugh, dude, I I can't make this up. Like on Amazon, 1080 Ti's are like a thousand dollars. Like Prime, get it Monday. Like. It, that's it. <laughs> I've just I just typed in on Amazon, thirty sixties like eight hundred eight hundred bucks. Like, this is Amazon pricing, right? Like, I'm not looking at Newegg. I'm not looking at, but like cards are kind of crazy high. Cards are really really crazy high. Let me see if 1080 Ti is like, dude, this guy's selling a 1080 Ti Founders Edition, six hundred and seventy four dollars. You know what I mean? Can you believe it? This guy, $700, $700 for 1080 Ti. You know, okay, here we go. Wait, a new listing, 1080 Ti, $400, but it's bid. Two days left. Let's see what they're actually selling for, right? So if I filter uh, and I show only uh, sold items, right? Let's see what we can get. What are they actually selling for? 674 610 I mean, that seems pretty high for a 1080 Ti. Yeah, dude. You it know? seems really high. Yeah. So this one went for 500 So, like, that's the best you can really get um, is a $500 1080 Ti. And it's that seems, high. that's it's super high, high dude. Yeah. Like, what was the MSRP for 1080 Ti, dude? Do you know? Like, <laughs> I had two of them. I don't know what they were, though. <laughs> uh, 1080 Ti, 699 Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's like five hundred dollars, or it's five hundred dollars. You know what's mind blowing, dude? Check, check this nonsense out, dude. Yeah. Uh, a thirty eighty was six ninety nine, and a ten eighty Ti was six ninety nine, but the thirty eighty twelve gigabyte MSRP is twelve forty nine. Yes. I I think that we're just like out of the loop because we have cards. But the 3080 so, Ti is eleven ninety nine. I don't understand this, dude. I don't understand this. So at all. I think the moral of the story is, even though the sixty five hundred XT sucks, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't buy it. I think what I would do is hold out and like really try I, and get a, va- a actual card. I think it's interesting that the sixty five hundred XT yeah. is almost as powerful as the. 6,000 series APUs that, that, that they showcased off. <laughs> oh, that's so pathetic. It's mind-boggling. And I think those have hardware uh, encode. Yeah. Oh, my God, they do. Yeah, so this is really just... Honestly, why does this card have to be so big? You know what For I mean? For the gamers, though. Yeah. I was like, this card could be thin as hell. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't even have to be dual slot. It could be like an old one-slot card with like one of those little dinky fans on it. <laughs> that's what it should be anyway let's talk about something else dude it sucks i feel bad for anyone that needs a gpu right now Same. actually you know what i want to talk or about ddr5 
What like about, yeah, or like like I'd like to upgrade my DDR5 because I have 32 gigs of like what's theoretically slow DDR5, right? It's funny because right. it's it's 4800 megahertz, yeah, but that's slow DDR5. Yeah, uh, but I would like to get 64 of like a 5500 plus kit. But yeah. good luck, dude. Yeah. yeah. So real quick, dude. Like that. That's the topic I wanted to talk about. You got a new uh, build. You bu- I built do. your. I do. Uh, so we talked about it on the last podcast. You had a water cooling disaster. Yeah. You talked about. Well, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Maybe I'll just go full Mac. But you ended up going Intel, dude. So what do you? Uh, I did. What do you have I to did. say for yourself? Uh, <laughs> well, actually, you know, it's kind of a weird turn of events. You know, like I think I think we left off with me getting like the M1 Mac 16. Yeah. Uh, but then I was like, I'm going to try to piece this back together because you brought up some good points about, you know, like playing games and stuff. And there's going to be a time where I'm going to want to play a game. Right. I'm not going to have that functionality. So I was like, all right, well, let's see what I can salvage here. And I ended up taking apart my 3090, uh, getting a Q-tip, using my 99% isopropyl alcohol that I use for my print bed, you know, my 3D printer. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I kind of just like dump some of that into like a little like almost like a petri dish and then i was like swabbing up with the q-tip and i was going over every single part of the 3090 because right uh as as you may know but our audience may not is that water itself is non-conductive but the minerals in water are what makes it conductive so like even though i use distilled water like it's going to pick up some minerals just from being water right Right. being stagnant water just from running through different metals in your loop it's going to pick up some 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 sort of metal shavings and that's what causes shorts you know so I really wanted to make sure that any sort of water that was dried on there didn't leave behind any sort of metal corrosion or not. So I really went over it really nice with a Q-tip. Right. Um, let it air dry out for a couple of days. Uh, then I put it back together, tested it. It works fine. Honestly, I, th- I think it works better than fine because wow. um, it's the reason for that is is because I think that like the 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 ROG Strix is a good card, but like right. I I don't think any I don't think any uh, like OEM really uses the best thermal paste. You know what I mean? So like, no, that's so why like, I always like putting liquid metal if I can, or just better paste. So like now that I'm back on on, on like the stock air cooler and yeah. stuff, uh, uh, I put I just, I just put cryonite on th- uh, thermal grizzly cryonite, yeah. and like my temps are shockingly low. Like um, uh, my thirty ninety Strix now with the stock cooler on never goes above 70 C right. and the fans never go above 75%. Uh, the only thing that I lose going to the stock cooler uh, is the ROG Strix has a one, uh, a one twenty three percent power limit. Sorry. I was just opened up afterburner to check. Yeah. It's one twenty three. Um, I, I can't run one twenty three on the stock cooler. Okay. Uh, but I think that's kind of a cool thing. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like buying a card that lets you go beyond what it can do out of the box is pretty neat. You know? Uh, right. Now, now, granted, we're talking about a hundred megahertz core clock difference between one hundred percent and one like one hundred twenty three percent on air cooler. Right. But literally, the card hits eighty C and the fans go to full power. You know, it's yeah. just not worth it. It's just not worth the trade off. No. So I keep it at hundred percent power limit. But when I was underwater, I kept it at one twenty three. Obviously, makes sense. Um. So yeah. So so back to the build. Uh, I just want to shout out my girlfriend Kelly for being an absolute saint. Yeah. Uh, because the story of how I ended up with this build is actually, it's almost like a Christmas miracle, you know? Yeah. Um, so for those of you who, who, who may not know, uh, Intel 12th gen is the first mainstream platform that uses DDR5 system memory. Uh, 
and there's a big memory shortage going on right now. I mean, like more so than than, than like uh, complete components. Uh, part of the reason why there, why there's a graphics card shortage is because of the memory shortage, you know. So getting your hands on DDR5 is extremely extremely difficult. So much so that Intel even released um, support for third parties to make ddr4 boards on 12th gen because they weren't moving product because there's no ram for it right so right. like when you buy a 12th gen processor you have to either buy a motherboard that supports ddr4 or a motherboard that supports ddr5 um and obviously if you're doing a new build you really don't want to uh make uh a platform that's on an older technology. So for me, rebuilding on DDR4 was kind of not an option because right. I don't want to be limited by that. Um, and, and, and like the actual die is different. So like it's it's not like you could just put DDR5 in a DDR4 board. The pinouts are actually different. Right. Um, so uh, and like I had no idea there 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 was a memory shortage. It was basically Christmas Day night. So Christmas was on a Saturday. Uh, and like for some reason, I couldn't sleep around like the witching hour, around like three the three a.m. So okay, I'm like, yeah. I'm just gonna like order some parts and like get this build going, you know, because I was excited. You know, the graphics card was working. I wanted a computer again. Right. So uh, I was doing some some research because I've been out of the PC hardware loop for a while, um, and uh, Intel came out with a twelve nine hundred K, which kind of follows almost like Apple's kind of processor design in a way. Where like they have um, eight high efficiency cores with hyper threading, and then they have eight efficiency cores that are just single threaded. They don't have hyper threading on them. Right. Uh, so essentially, you have a sixteen core processor that's twenty four threads instead of thirty two threads. Um, and Intel is finally off of the fourteen nanometer plus 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 processor down to ten nanometers now. Yeah. Uh, and this processor just pumps dude like it's pumps. it's literally yeah dude it's 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 literally it's from another planet i mean it draws wattage that requires another planet to sustain it but it, it is it is something else like right. i have two cores right now on 5.4 two on 5.3 and the rest on like right. 5.2 5.1 with a negative one avx offset and all efficiency cores are at four gigahertz and I get like 29K in Cinebench R23, wow. um, which is higher than a 5950X. And I have theoretically eight less cores, eight less threads. Wow, dude. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really great experience. Uh, you, on, on 12th gen, you do have to run Windows 11 because Intel has basically said, hey, we have this really new architecture with, yeah. per, with uh, uh, performance cores and efficiency cores. And... Um, uh, Windows scheduler is shit to begin with, which I find like super ironic. Like it also makes me, it, it kind of makes me feel dude, like I'm on the Truman show sometimes because yeah. well, dude, like go, go, go back to our <laughs> podcast. Like when, when, when we were talking about the M one max and like you and I were having discussions right. about like how, like, I think a lot of the performance has to do with just the Mac OS scheduler. And now all of a sudden Intel's like, yeah, Windows scheduler sucks. So we came out with a solution. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's almost like it's almost like I have cameras in my room somewhere. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, on Windows 11, uh, 12 gen Intel processors use their own schedule called Thread Director, 
Uh, and that kind of does all of like the process handling that you're and, and, and like service handling that Windows would typically do uh, in Windows 10 and back on on older processors. So right. it knows what processes and services are going are to hand it off to the efficiency cores and those which ones need performance cores. Uh, if you're rendering a large task, like if you're using like CPU rendering or you're uncaching files right. or you're doing all that stuff, it'll use both on the same on the same task. It'll just give you all the power you want dedicated to wow. that task. That's and, really cool. And like, you, you know, going back on my 3900 XT, like it was a good machine, but like just being on Intel again, like the whole machine just feels smoother. It just feels snappier. Right. It feels less bogged down. I think a good example for me is, and I've talked about, about this before in the podcast, is like if I take photos on my camera, then I import those photos into Lightroom. I couldn't even talk on Discord or TeamSpeak. Like, I would get totally robotic. Yeah, which doesn't but, make any sense, right? Because, like, you have right. enough cores and threads. Like, that right. shouldn't even be a thing. Right. So, that led me to believe it was a scheduler issue. But now yeah. on, you know, Windows 11, 12900K with ThreadDirector, it feels like, like, like the scheduler almost feels Mac-like. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing on my computer. Every <sighs> other process I do feels smooth. That's amazing, dude. Like, you know, I got to so. say, yeah, it doesn't make any sense because, like, it used to be that, like, storage speed was, like, the a big bottleneck with, like, computer snappiness. We solved that with, like, SSDs, then M.2s. Yeah. Like, okay, that's not a bottleneck. We have a million cores and threads now. That's not a bottleneck. We should be able to do anything we want instantly. But the scheduler had to have been. Yeah. It had to have been it. So, like, yeah. I'm really happy to hear your experience with Windows 11 and Intel. Like, does AMD, do you know if they're going to do anything like that? I mean, because right now, they, they Intel did that with uh, Microsoft, right? Like, it was a partnership sort of thing, right? It was kind of a partnership. It's my understanding that... Um, like, Intel developed it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Intel developed it, and they said, yo, can you, can you allow... Uh, like like hardware level scheduling in your in yeah. your OS yeah and Windows and Windows was like I mean I guess but like we have to we have to put it in Windows 11 right because it's at the kernel level so they yeah. have to say we'll put it in Windows 11 but we can't put it in 10. Well, I feel bad so, for AMD then like they're gonna be stuck with whatever bullshit um, Microsoft gives them right like well, you're still stuck with the Windows scheduler like it might have been improved over to Windows 10 but like is it gonna be an Intel exclusive technology it seems like it is. Well, so, I don't know. Here's where we're at. So, like, AMD will never run Intel ThreadDirector or ThreadDirector as we know it because that's literally Intel's technology, right? right. ThreadDirector, um, because Windows Windows 11 allows that kernel level scheduling access. Yeah. AMD could theoretically make their own okay. ThreadDirector equivalent. Okay. Um, but I don't know They're where have or how far down the line. I don't false. see, yeah, because I don't see a reason for me to go back to to keep on AMD when Intel has this. Like it's I such wouldn't. an advantage. I wouldn't. Um, it's seriously like, significant. Like, like just feeling, just feeling this. This, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say like performance because because the performances are on both sides, but just the the user experience of how this feels, dude. Like right. I just don't want to not feel that way again yeah. so even if on paper if zen 4 is faster than my 12900k i won't be persuaded because i know that in like normal tasks and how i use a computer right won't feel the same because it didn't feel the same on my, on my 3900 xt my 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 old 8086k did, did, was that my processor before that or no because i 
Dude, I, I can't remember if I ever had a 9900K or not. How bad is that? Yeah. Did uh, I? I don't know, man. We go through hardware a lot, so I don't uh, blame you, dude. I, I have shit memory, so. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I never remember. Thanks, you're on the list. Can you answer a question? Yeah, I did. I, I did order a 9800K. Okay. okay. So, so I did have a 9800K. Um, nice. You found it. Uh, I could tell you right now that um, I've never on my 8086K or my 90 or my 9900K. I've never had uh, just like random, just like usability issues that I had with my 3900 XT. And on paper, the 3900 XT was faster, right? Like, so uh, it didn't make sense to me. And like, it racked my brain. And like, that's kind of what made Mac so impressive to me is like all of these small usability tasks where I have multiple applications open and I'm running multiple programs that are system intensive, like importing photos into Lightroom or exporting a project in DaVinci Resolve. Like my, like, like my, my computer on the 3900 XT was unusable at that point. And that didn't happen on the Mac. And that doesn't happen on Intel, right. you know? So like, even if Zen 4 on is faster than the 12900K, which I think it should be, because it's not out yet. You know what I right. mean? So like, now it's their turn to kind of, you know, leapfrog over Intel and then Intel, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, of course. You know how it is. Uh, I don't think I'll be persuaded just because they won't have ThreadDirector and they probably won't have 5.5 gig- 5.5 gigahertz single core. Right. You, no, you know? that's the thing, dude. Like when it comes to my desktop, it has to be the best gaming machine possible, yeah. and I need single core. Yeah. And, you know, you have to, whoever has the best single core and experience overall is going to be who I go with. Like when it comes to my server computer, it's a different story because I care about threads, right? Sure. So I'm going to go with the AMD option so I can have like 32 yeah. threads or more if yeah. I want to go Threadripper, right? Like because I run VMs, I want to have like as many threads as possible for the several different server tasks it runs. Right. But like for my desktop, dude, I just need the best single core possible. I don't really yeah. care about like, cause a lot of think about it, right? Like what good is having 32 threads? Uh, really like, it, okay. Yeah. It can churn through like a DaVinci resolve thing, but I'm GPU accelerated anyway. <sighs> yeah, so like, it's that's like the thing, man. That's everything the thing. that like, would really be like beneficial to have like that much, uh, uh, threads is really just uh, a lot of times it's GPU accelerated anyway. So it's like, who cares? Like, unless uh, you're running a lot of labs and VMs and stuff, like, who cares? I don't know. It's like, I, I was going to say, like, like, I feel like AMD would be better for like VMing, right? So, like, yeah, I, I, I recently I watched my... a video where of, of, of like Linus, of, of, of like Linus, where he used like Parsec, right? Um, uh, to like share GPUs with Parsec. Uh, so like multiple gamers can, can game off. Yeah, of that was computer. cool. And I'm like, oh man, that'd be cool. I'm like, oh, but I really only have eight performance cores. So like that wouldn't really be viable for me. No. But like, but like I feel like a 5950X would be more viable there. It you would know be. What I mean? Or if, like if you went um, Threadripper or something like that. But even then you got to deal with the scheduler being ass. So, you know, but still it would be the better uh, machine because you just have more resources to cut, you know, and allocate out. So. Uh, but yeah, like that's where I think AMD shines. If you're somebody that really still needs those cores and threads, like maybe you're running servers or something, I get it. AMD still king, I think there. You know where else this 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 twelve this twelve nine hundred K is is an absolute loon, dude. Where's that? Um, I've been playing Warzone lately, like like Call of Duty Warzone, right? 
and minimum FPS in that game on a 12900K is almost non-existent. Like, I would almost say that, like, I don't have a minimum FPS. What is it's it? Just, just like, like uh, you're t- saying your frame times are very stable, like you're well, locked like, down, like, to a yeah, solid... Yeah, like, you know how, um, um, what's what I'm looking for? You don't fluctuate? Yeah, like, you know how, like, there's, like, 1% lows and yeah. stuff? Like, I feel like if my frame rate is, like, let's just say 150, okay? Yeah. I feel like my 1% low on the 12900K is, like... 144 okay whereas i feel like my one percent lows on 300 xt was like 50 56 yeah you know know, that makes sense man like i i really care about that too yeah like i it's not really about like if if my gpu can do like you know maybe i'm playing like a triple a game and i get like you know 70 frames per second but then it dips down to like 40s like it like you know or like on occasion like you get those dips and you get those like one percent lows that really just like you you feel your gameplay hitch and stuff. I feel like mm-hmm. Intel is like more stable. It is you know? for sure, for sure. And the platform, and I, I I I think that comes down to just the 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 mega high IPC and the mega high core frequency. You yeah, know? yeah, I guess so. You know, and that I look forward to going back to Intel. You know, I've always been a fan do of it, Intel do. builds. I feel like all my AMD builds, and this, this is just me talking out my ass because like this is just pure feeling. But like I always feel no, like my AMD yeah. builds were. Uh, always a little bit more uh, unstable, always a little bit more messy. Whereas, yeah, like my 100%. Intel builds, always felt like more solid. Like 100%. It, the the PC yeah. wasn't gonna just collapse on me, and you know, and it just I don't know, it just felt more reliable. So I really look forward to going back. Uh, I'm just not really in the market to do it, and plus the market's not really a best time to buy yeah, hardware. Uh, I mean, like honestly, dude, if if you're like walking through a computer store and you see DDR5, I would probably jump. Just buy it. Yeah, it's like I'll take all your stock. Yeah, but but, but like, <laughs> well, well, like I, I, I mean, I would probably switch. Yeah, I would probably, oh. I, 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 I would probably move your 5950X to your server. And it would be enough of a change because I'm not going Windows 11 until I do it. I'm just going to stay with what I got. No, I, I wouldn't go Windows 11 yeah. on, 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 unless you were on 12th gen right. and then you would do a full native install with yep. Deep Yeah. Um, I think that's my plan. Uh, but honestly, dude, like, like you, if you did do that, you would be like, I've been, I've been missing things. Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to feel great. It does feel great, man. It feels super great. Anyway, dude, I'm glad to talk about your upgrade. Uh, yeah. I look forward to seeing how that pans out over time. I think we want to move on to a next topic because uh, we we've been I think we're an hour and nine minutes in. So oh, yeah, we, let's we do speed that run the rest of our soon. topics, yeah. dude. So we got Microsoft buys Activision. Big big topic to the gaming community right now. Yeah, obviously, crazy topic, right? Think about it. Like Activision Blizzard, and you know, and Activision in total, they have a lot of IPs under their belt. And then Microsoft's going to be owning those, basically. They own King.com, too, right? Like Candy Crush and stuff? Yeah. So, so it's like, that's pretty a, huge. It's huge. You you know what else is huge, dude, that someone pointed out? That, like, I didn't realize. J- just, like, general inflation numbers. You know right. what I mean? Um, how much was that cost that for, 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 for that, that Microsoft paid? $67 billion, was yeah, it? Yeah, crazy amount. So back in 2012, okay? Yeah. Facebook bought Instagram for one billion, and that was like an unheard of sale. Oh my god! Think about that for that's, a second. That's kind of insane. Think about the money that we just saw change hands. Then think about that for a second, dude. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that's such a big acquisition, isn't it? 
like for gaming. You know, I think about it and I'm like, how does Apple not think gaming is a big deal? Like, why don't they invest more in gaming? Like, why don't they care about it when you have Microsoft throwing away, throwing billions around like this for for a gaming publisher? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's gotta be like worth, it's gotta be a huge industry. Like it's going to make Microsoft a ton of money, 68.7 billion all cash deal to buy Activision. And that's crazy. I mean, you're talking about franchises like call of duty. You're going to have everything blizzards got, uh, you know, everything blizzards got wow. All that Microsoft's going to own it. And like, it's kind of scary actually, um, in one way, cause it's kind of like, you know, it's bizarre. The to company's me too. too big at this point. <laughs> well, well, we'll see. Like we think that, right? But then I also read an article. Uh, this Activision Blizzard thing, right? Um, this 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 Activision or or or, or uh, acquisition only puts Microsoft <laughs> Activision, yeah, only puts Microsoft in number three for gaming revenue. Wow, really? So who's yeah. two and one? Two is Sony. Oh, oh, really? Because of first party titles like God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, you know, uh, what? Yeah, like, yeah, dude, they're, 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 they're juggernauts. Well, dude. who was, who was, uh, like, where was Microsoft before? I don't know. The acquisition. I don't know. I just, who's know number one? Don't tell me. I guess. I can't. You're Googling it. Tencent. Fucking League of Legends. God owner. damn it. You're right. Tencent, dude. Chinese yeah. company. Yeah. Mobile games, yeah, you know that's crazy. Ten cents worth that much, yeah. Well, like, if, if you think about it, like they're really big in like the mobile space. Um, it's and, like it's League gross. of Legends is like massive over there, yeah. But but they're actually suffering pretty badly because of that new Chinese regulation. Yes, where like people can only play for like an hour a day. I did see that. Pretty pretty bad for the gamers over there i'll say that i wouldn't want to be over there Fuck no, that, dude. yeah i i mean i, I wouldn't want to be over there in general just because i you know of reasons yeah bald eagle boy you know i like being free yeah <laughs> you like being free dude fuck that then yeah. no nah, just kidding i'm gonna play video games yeah, uh for more than an hour but yeah so i mean here's the thing yeah, your dude. monster hunter tells me that yeah it does doesn't it yeah it does. <laughs> dude almost 61 hours so anyway yeah, I don't know, man. It's a big acquisition, and you know, a lot of discussion has happened around. Obviously, Blizzard is, uh, for me, one of the big highlights for this. You know, uh, I know Activision Blizzard has been under fire because of all their uh, sexual harassment stuff going on, and uh, and a lot of the stuff in their games. Like, I think it's been a really a bad look that uh, they've been removing a lot of these more sexual elements from, like, even World of Warcraft. Um, you know what I'm talking about? kind of like censoring their game because of the backlash but it's like the stuff they're censoring is like dude that's been in the game since like vanilla why are you just why are you censoring this you know like it's it's just kind of uh bullshit if you ask me it's like sexualization isn't a problem you know what i mean like it's like we're we're humans like this is just something that happens uh it's it's uh, you know what you're doing at your workplace like that's what's the problem you know what I'm saying? Like, like you can't just be like, oh, well, we're going to fix our games. Your game's worth the problem, dude. You're not, your games aren't under fire. Yeah. You're yeah. under fire. Yeah. So, like, you're not doing anything, dude. Like, so, uh, you know, I think it's interesting. And Microsoft, you know, uh, what was it? Phil Spencer in a tweet was like, we're going to change the way we do business with Activision. <laughs> I think that was the tweet. And it was like. I mean, I kind of trust him though. Like, yeah. I think he's a good guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's funny because it's like change the way people. they do business. We're gonna buy Activision Blizzard and change it. 
You know, it's like, that's fucking funny. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Phil Spencer's a good guy. You were saying he's uh, he makes some big money, dude. Yeah, he makes some crazy money. Yeah. Uh, but like, I think we've, we we we've had this this discussion before. Like when the Xbox yeah. Series X like first came into my house and stuff, right? And like I was kind of like trying to learn more about phil spencer and like the direction of xbox and like every interview like he's so candid like he's so like he's so transparent with people and and right. i i i think we had, we have that discussion on an earlier podcast when uh he was breaking down how how people make money on game pass you know yeah and that um, was the thing because it was like uh he was asked how did how does microsoft make money yeah and i think he gave a pretty honest answer he did you know? yeah yeah so i i like the guy so, uh, you know, I think that this will be because I think Microsoft has gained a lot of credit with the gamers over the past three years. You know, I've seen a lot of uh, good things come from Microsoft, both in Game yeah. Pass, Phil Spencer. I think uh, the the credit they've built in the mind of their audience, the gamers, has uh, really accumulated over the years. So I think when they go to buy Activision... I think most people think, well, we like Microsoft as a game studio, as a, as a publisher, and uh, as the uh, Xbox team, we like them. So we hopefully like uh, what they're going to do with Activision. And, and I look forward to seeing it because, you know, they've been, mean, they bought Bethesda, and that seems like it's working out. It's panning out. You see what they're doing with Game Pass. All the Bethesda titles come in the Game, game Pass it could be we get Activision titles on Game Pass. We could get Call of Duty on Game Pass. We could get, uh, you know, they talked about, I heard rumor that they might even make the Battle.net uh, WoW subscription into Game Pass somehow or something. And if that happens, I'm definitely going to get Game Pass because why not? Yeah, I, I'd pay, I'd play WoW. I heard that too. Yeah. Um, I also heard that, and like this is a direct quote, so let me pull this up right. really quick. Let me find it because I thought that this was huge. I actually have to bring up Discord, dude. Right. Because um. I know if, like, I would still play WoW if I, you know, if the subscription was rolled up into Game Pass, dude. Um, I think that would make WoW explode. You know? I think it would too. I I I said the same thing. Like WoW's hemorrhaging players left and right. Like the game is just not good right now. Right. Like, right. It's just not. Uh. So like not as I a think that, not as a subscription yeah. game. Yeah. Um, so here's a quote from Phil Spencer. Um, mobile is the largest segment in gaming, with nearly 95% of all players globally enjoying games on mobile. Through great teams and great technology, Microsoft and Activision Blizzard will empower players to enjoy the most immersive franchises like Halo and Warcraft anywhere they want, and with games like Candy Crush. Activision Blizzard's mobile business represents a significant presence and opportunity for Microsoft in this fast-growing segment. Wow. You know what that means, right? We're going to see a lot more game streaming and Game Pass. I was going to say, dude, like, like as someone who, like, kind of likes that, yeah. you know, like, that, that play anywhere mentality, because, like, right. that's cool. And, and and that's really neat that they want to bring Halo and Warcraft to that and not make, like, Bubble Bob or whatever. Yeah, right. I no, I, I mean, I, I really look forward to seeing what they do to revolutionize the industry. I think that they're yeah. trying to make plays in... You know, Game Pass is definitely a future for them. They see that. I think that uh, streaming, like game streaming through Microsoft, I think that that's going places. XCloud seems like it's actually good. Um, and for a lot of people, like I know a lot of people on the Mac gaming subreddit love the streaming services because yeah, like, uh, they can game on their Macs. 
I've played you know. XCloud a few times, and um, I I still wouldn't play competitive games on it. Like I wouldn't touch that with a forty foot pole. Yeah, and like it's not the best experience for single player games ever. But like if that's all you have, you can do it. Right. You like, can do I'm it. I'm sure people like you know like maybe people aren't maybe more casual people. They don't really care about input lag or like response times as much. They just want to experience a. Uh, a, a good gaming session, maybe a more relaxed one, maybe a story-based one. And I think that game streaming can be perfect for that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I'm still against it personally because I want to run it on my own hardware. I want to have the best experience possible as the enthusiast. Um, but, you know, for a lot of people, maybe the difference between not having to buy a console, you know, is big enough. You know, think about it. Like, they don't have to buy, like, a... $300 plus console. They don't have to buy crazy accessories every year. They can just uh, use whatever controller they got on the shelf, Bluetooth it to their laptop, their desktop, their phone, and be like wherever they're at on xCloud. And that's kind of, yeah. you know, and not have to worry about graphics cards, not have to worry about like, think about this too with xCloud. You don't have to worry about buying the next console generation. You know what I mean? xCloud's going to be xCloud. So you're going to have any console generation going forward would be on a platform like that. So uh, they might tear it out later, but like that's for later. <laughs> you know, they might end up, people are saying xCloud and Game Pass will one day go the route of Netflix and raise their prices, you know, like to $20 a month like Netflix is doing. Can we talk about that for a second? Like just briefly, just sure. briefly, because I just want to get your opinion. It's like, it's like, oh, we're not growing our subscriber base. Better charge our loyal customers more. Like what is going on with that? Well, you know, I don't know what it is, but I think that Netflix just feels like they got a stranglehold in the streaming industry yeah. and they're just milking it. You know, I feel like they're just milking it because they think they can. And you know what I think is going to be the result is just piracy. You know, a lot of people say piracy never really goes away. It just lies there dormant waiting for you to, for it to be the most convenient option. And right. for a lot of people, you know, if they want to watch their Netflix content, dude, and they refuse to pay, um, they're just going to pirate. You know, uh, Gabe Newell said a long time ago that, uh, you know, piracy isn't a, is a service problem. And uh, it's because, you know, if you make uh, it really difficult for consumers to get to the content they want, they're going to go the routes of piracy. And right. that Netflix is going to feel that you're going to see an upsurge in piracy. It's just a matter of time. You can't avoid it. You know, if people want to get their content, I think everyone's willing to uh, to pay for things as long as they feel like it's reasonable. And mm -hmm. uh, I think... Streaming services particularly, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but there's just been a growth of how many different ones there are. And then yeah. also the fact that Netflix is deciding to charge even more for theirs. It's like consumers are kind of feeling like a little milked, you know? I think so too. I, I think that's a good term, dude. Like I have nipples, Greg. Can you mark me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, because I know personally, uh, I refuse to pay for more than like I pay for Netflix and I pay for uh, like Crunchyroll or whatever because I got to get my weeb content, got to get my anime. So, uh, but other than that, like I don't pay for any other uh, streaming services, but I know my brother pays for Funimation, which is a different, 
uh, anime streaming platform. Speaking and, of weeb content, dude, I'm surprised you, you you haven't bought that tail DLC in Monster Hunter Rise yet. Uh, oh wait, oh shit, dude, I didn't know about that. Dollar forty nine, dude, tail DLC, easy sell. No, I don't know. I'll look into it, but uh, <laughs> I hate the I don't I hate DLC to begin with though. That's yeah. like a, you know, I'm very anti microtransaction for the most part. So. Uh, except for if it's a tail DLC, then I'll, then I'll pick it up. But yeah, man, we're feeling as consumers, very milked. So I don't know if this is going to, a lot of people are in uproar about it. So I don't know. What do you think? You upset about Netflix or no? Not really. And that's because honestly, dude, I can't tell you the last show I've watched on, Oh, Cobra Kai. Cover Kai was the last show I've watched on Netflix, but like that's literally like kind of the only time I turn on Netflix. So do you st- do you have a subscription? I do. Okay, but I'm probably going to cancel it. Oh, so you're going to can- I'm going to keep mine, dude. Like I actually get content um, out of Netflix that I enjoy. Uh, so that's exclusive. I watched I Arcane. Did you watch Arcane? Dude? I watched Arcane. Okay, Arcane so like, was tight as hell. So like. I think me wanting to cancel Netflix has nothing to do with the price hike. I think that like I just really don't watch anything on it. Like like I'm thinking now like I I've I, I've had a Netflix sub for I would almost say six years, seven years, eight years. I, I, like like I was getting DVDs in the mail. Yeah. Um. But like realistically, I've watched Cobra Kai. I've watched Arcane. I've watched Hill House. I've watched Bly Manor. That's it. So. Do you think like okay, well, if something comes out, you'll just sail the high seas? And uh, no, no, I'll probably sub to it because I'm lazy. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But 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 like I'll probably buy the month, watch the show, and then and then drop it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because like for me, I watch a lot of Netflix because they got like they got some decent anime on there. They got the JoJo new season, like I think half of the new season. They got uh the new Witcher. I like the Witcher stuff. So. Oh yeah, yeah, I did watch the Witcher. I'm sorry. Yeah, which is good. I watch some things on Netflix. Yeah, so so yeah, I mean that's the thing. Netflix is kind of good. Like they got exclusives. You got the um, so I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. That's the one I'll stay paying for. Uh, but I can't justify having more than Netflix, right? You know which one I think is worth the money. What's that? More than any of them, Apple TV Plus. Yeah, so I am still riding my free year. Apple TV Plus. Um, I don't know, man. I had I watched like one movie on it, and that's it. Their shows are the best shows that I've seen on television in a long time. Servant is out of this world. Like what? One of the best shows I've ever watched. I'm gonna uh, have to Ted, talk with you later, dude. Ted Lasso. Why, why have you seen it? Well, no, because I I uh, want to know what's good on Apple TV. Oh, uh, Ted Lasso is one of the best shows I've ever seen. There's no um, way. Like I yeah. saw it advertised to me like a million times, and yeah, I kind of dude, resented the show at that point. I was like, I don't want to. I did too. It. I did too. I'm like, this looks like nothing I'm into. I'm not into soccer. I'm not into football. It is one of the best shows I've ever seen. What uh, the by hell? not, but like, like, dude, it, it was nominated for. Oh my god, dude! So it's actually good. Because I like refuse to watch it. Yeah, dude, it's insane. It's insane. It was nominated for twenty Emmys, and and dude, it, honest to God, like one of the best shows on television. Okay, Starbright, one of the best shows on television. C is really, really freaking good. Um, they're okay. just tossing out really good content. Okay, and it's four ninety nine. You know what I mean? Like it's cheap compared I think, to the other ones. Well, the nice thing about Apple TV content is like uh, it's Dolby Vision a lot of times with Atmos and like. Oh, dude! It's it, good. It, I, I was gonna say it's also the best quality. Yeah. So like, if you care about that stuff, oh, uh, Invasion is really good too. Uh, it's 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 about an alien invasion. Uh, oh my God, Foundation! 
one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. Wow. Uh, dude, I'm just going off on. So, so really quickly, I, I just want to brush on foundation really quickly with you. Go for so, it. So I've actually read the book foundation. Um, uh, and the reason I've read it is because uh, I've read the Elon Musk like biography, I guess okay. it is. Yeah. Cause like I'm an Elon Musk, Musk fanboy, spoiler alert. Um, and like he was asked the question, you know, like what three books do you recommend? And like one was on AI, one was on like rocket engines and rocket fuel, like like just textbooks. Right. Like these are the two books that, that so far that he said that every human needs to read. And the third one was Isaac Asimov's Foundation. So I wasn't gonna read the two textbooks, so I read Foundation. Okay. And Foundation is an excellent book. And Apple made it into a TV show. And like the TV show is probably about an eight out of 10. Like the books are better, obviously. Okay. But, but one thing that's crazy about Foundation is the cinematography. And Apple kind of takes this approach of we spared no expense when it comes to their shows because right. they literally print money and it shows in their production, their, 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 their mastering of audio and video and, and video, the cast they have, you know, what special effects they have. Like every show on Apple TV is like a fucking blockbuster. Yeah. Like even if it's show that even if it's a show like the morning show that I'm not really into, but my mother loves the morning show and Kelly loves the morning show. Like it's not my cup of tea. Right. Uh, it has Steve Carell. It has Jennifer Aniston. The production value through the roof. Color grading through the roof. Just right. everything about it is S rank. You know. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll take a look at it, dude. Foundation, because uh, I'm I'm definitely looking to watch something. So on there, because I have the free month or uh, free year. So I was like, I want to look at it. So, but yeah, man, subscription services. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we touched on it. I think we ought to move on, dude. So, uh, R5C, dude, you want to, did you have something you wanted to say about it or? I just wanted to touch on it briefly. Cause you know, I'm, I'm a camera boy. Yeah, uh, go for it, dude. I, I think so. Essentially what it is, is, is it's a R5 with an active cooling system on it. Right. Yeah. So and is that the camera you sent me? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. It's literally an R5 with an active cooling system on it. Yeah, I thought it was crazy because the back of it like stuck out. Yeah, and then you have like, uh, what do you call it? Like active vents on the back. It was nutty. So it's thick, boy. Um, yeah, I think it, I got some pictures on this. Like, it's it's confusing to me, right? Like, it's gonna sell, right? It's obviously gonna sell. It's what people want. It's so, it's sold out already. Uh, you, you can pull up some pictures if you want. I'm but working on it. Yeah has compromises too and it doesn't and i'm glad i have the r5 let's put it that way here i'll pull up b and h but uh, okay yeah going. yeah it's perfect um i'm glad i have the the the, the r5 for two reasons um one uh, i primarily do photos you know like i love photos i really do uh like photography is always going to be my my home you know right uh this is a video camera this is this is an r5 with an active cooling fan and it, Canon says that it is weather sealed, but not to the same extent as the R5 because of the vents on the side, obviously. Right. Um, and uh, it doesn't have IBIS. So, like, that's a big problem not, for, like, though? a photography version. It kind of makes sense. Like, their reasoning for it is that IBIS generates lots of heat, especially the IBIS that Canon has. So, uh, I mean, that might be the case, but if you have active cooling, I guess you still don't want to blast fans because you care about, like, you know, yeah, audio things. Yeah, so yeah. you want to try and keep your yeah. 
So even though it's active, like you still wouldn't want it to. I don't know how loud it's going to be, but I would think I like can tell you that yeah, they um, still want to reduce heat. I could tell ways. you that none of Sony Cinema Line has IBIS, and none of Canon Cinema Line has IBIS. Uh, right. Like the C70s we have at work, they, those have active cooling fans, and they're quiet. Right. Like you could even adjust the fan curve in the in in, in on the back of the screen. It's pretty cool. Um, so can I ask but, a dumb question? Sure. I, I'm just this is just no curiosity. So question, so guy. real quick, I just want to I just want to comment like the the ventilation system is pretty robust on this thing. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's going to compete with like your cinema pocket like a Blackmagic Pocket 6K sort of audience. Yeah. But like this seems obviously it seems better actually, but even that doesn't have IBIS. This will have better autofocus, right? Than a 6K which has like none. Or um you know the those products. But yeah, the dumb question is like for cooling these things, because I've seen people take apart their cameras and like put like liquid cooling on them and stuff, sure. right? Like, what kind of like cooling is there really? Like, do you think they use like thermal paste, like a like a CPU type of thing, or oh, like, that's, with a, that's heat a pretty sink? good question. That's a pretty good question, actually. Yeah. So, so with higher end cameras, right? Like the processors do a lot. Like people don't realize this, but like there's a reason why this camera is, you know, $4,500 and your iPhone is $1,200 and comes with a phone, you know? Right. Um, and a, a lot of that comes down to sensor to like sensor size and sensor quality, but also, you know, the intricacies of the autofocus system, the white balance system, uh, the FPS, things of that nature all require lots of processing power. Right. Um, so if you take apart a camera, it literally is a processor with passive cooling. And cameras like the A1, the A7R4, the R5, the R6, you know, like larger, very, you know, high-end, high-performance cameras, is they'll basically have like a, a copper, like kind of almost like a heat tray mm. that the processor will mount on. And then that will connect to the magnesium frame if okay. the camera has a magnesium frame. So it's realistically passive cooling. And then it kind of uses the, the, the housing as its own heat sink. Okay. So the fan, I would assume probably goes between the magnesium housing and goes around that copper plate. Right. And then that creates direct contact with some sort of Tim, some thermal interface material that right. will uh, dissipate the heat better. So the Tim, like his, you know, they probably could use like liquid metal and get some improvements. You would think. I uh, I think they already use a Tim between okay. the the actual processor itself and the copper plate. But think of the copper plate as like an IHS on okay. on a processor. You right. know what I mean? So then between so in a typical camera, you would have uh, processor Tim copper plate or IHS, and then the case would just be mounted to that copper plate with no tin between the copper plate and the magnesium chassis, okay. just kind of bolted down to it. Right. Um, I assume that with like the R5C, they're probably using some sort of thermal pad. I, I would say it's probably a thermal pad uh, between the fan and the copper plate. That that would be my best guess. I haven't taken apart a 5C, but that okay, would be my yeah. guess. I've seen teardowns of the A1 and the R5, respectively, and they are both very similar in that regard with how they're passively cooled. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I would assume that there's some Tim and basically kind of like your 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 yeah. typical heatsink fan. On you know, the I always feel processor. like we could do better with cooling these things because you know it's not like the A1 or even your R5 has like a civilized, uh, sophisticated cooling system. I, I don't know, even passively. Like I, I feel like we could do better than just hook up to the magnesium housing. Because, like, you, you just saw it in real time. If I had my uh, uh, the back display shut, uh, that's enough to uh, to right, uh, capture right. enough heat to overheat my camera. And as soon I as I flip out you. my camera, uh, or sorry, as soon as I flip out my screen, that's enough uh, uh, dissipation to not overheat. So it's like, well, what the, like, you could do something about that, I would think. 
So, like, I, I don't know. I'm not an engineer, but I think like you could. So here's my take on it. Okay. Yeah. So these cameras, these hybrid cameras, operate without hitch, with passive cooling, with their current passive cooling for right. what they were intended to be. You know. So. So what you're, you're saying is when like, you're operating within spec. Yeah. Okay. And a big problem, especially in like the professional camera world, is battery life. It 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 totally is. You know, you 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 hear people complain about it on the Sony's. You hear people complain about it on the Canons. You hear people complain about it on the Nikon's. Is that they had to carry multiple batteries with them? They had to get battery grips. They get battery packs. If you're shooting, you know, an eight, nine, ten hour wedding. If you're shooting, you know, a full sports game, and you're taking, you know, two thousand photos. It's not unrealistic at a at a professional sporting event. So you really. It really comes down to, I would say, tuning and how much hardware do they need to put in a camera that draws on that battery. And a, an active cooling system will 100% draw on that battery. Yeah, it but I'm not saying vents. we go active. Like, I, okay. I just think that we could do better passively. Um, you know, like uh, whether you whether or not you add some fins like to something or like because they, so, they could probably have like uh, – a can I play devil's advocate? Yeah, go ahead. Because uh, you're adding thickness, obviously. You're adding thickness weight. and weight. Weight, weight, weight is where I was going to actually go with that. You know, yeah. like, like it's almost like a challenge to get these cameras as light as possible, especially in the bodies. Because yeah. if you mount big boy lenses on it, you're going to add weight. If you mount a flash on it, you're going to add weight. If you mount a vertical grip on it, you're going to add weight. And in a lot of these cases, you have to carry this around for all day, dude. All day. Okay. I mean. I think I mean, a good example. Fair. I think a good example is um, uh, what's I going to say to you? Uh, I use uh, a gimbal sometimes for work, right? And I had to do a four-hour shoot outdoors, and I literally thought my arms were just going to drop the camera. <laughs> okay, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like if you're holding a gimbal like out here, like I'm not sure if I'm in the frame or not, but like okay. holding a gimbal out here for like multiple hours, dude. Right. Like you better have the forearms of Zeus. Because I would do anything to have 50 less grams on that even, you know? Yeah. So, well, I would have probably, if, you know, if I were in your situation, I was going to be doing that. I would have had something like, you know, how like you can have rigs that like, uh, for sure, almost like for a sure. belt, yeah. you know, where you're yeah. offsetting the weight to your, uh, mm -hmm. hips or whatever. Like I would have done something like that. I was just using that as an example, but like even yeah. doing a wedding with a flash and like a 70 to 200 on it, you're going to feel it after four or five hours. So, yeah. So what you're saying um, is they, Sony and Canon, all these companies, they, they look at that compromise and they're like, okay, for the intense use case, like we can allow an overheat scenario. Well, again, after a point. again, an overheat scenario in these cameras right. are using them outside of their intended use case. You know, these so what you're saying is, are, like, don't use a hybrid as a cinema camera is what you're getting at. See, like, even hybrid makes it feel like like a loose term. You know, like the A1, the So R5, you're saying these are camera first. These are, these are cameras that have video functionality. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I mean, you're right. But, like, so many people are buying these to use as their primary shooters but for that's video. Because, but that's because of the whole content creator, YouTube kind of mentality yeah. you know what i mean like no, they want to you, you know like well it's the um, it's the um I, I don't know so 
it's the non-professionals out there, right? Like, if you're a pro, like, you know, I, I know, know for work, you bought, like, the, what was it, the Canon, like, the, the cinema? The, the EOS C70s. C70s. Yeah. So, obviously, that's a cinema camera, right? Lots right. of options, very much focused for video and very it's good the, camera. It's, it's, it goes beyond being focused for video. You cannot take stills on that at right. all. And, like, I feel like, you know, that's obviously, you know, the, the, the market that, these companies are focusing on are you know like the pro photographers and pro, pro videographers so these are the cameras we buy yeah are photographic cameras that just so happen to also make really good video cameras right and when but i we think that use that's them, what people want now out of these things like i know personally like i want the hybrid that can do everything yeah but the hybrid is always going to have a compromise i feel okay I yeah. feel the hybrid is always going to have a compromise. And, and you know, it's kind of weird because we've had such great hybrids like, recently. Like, you're the not going to get a Super really 35 been... sensor in a photographic camera because you're well, not going to no. get that. You know what I mean? Like, like, like the C70s even have internal neutral density filters. Yeah. You know how cool that I, is? Yeah, I wish I had built yeah. an ND for sure. Yeah, like... like percent I don't know. No, I get it's, it, man. I get it. I still think hybrids are awesome. I wish that uh I think hybrids are awesome too. Yeah. But 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 like we're talking about overheating in, in, in both the A one and the R five at yeah. like such so, a high level. So like, real quick. Like then. shooting eight K for over twenty minutes. Yeah. So sure. what do you think about the R five C then? Because like uh, how much is an R five? Thirty eight ninety nine. Thirty eight ninety nine. So for an additional like six hundred bucks. Six hundred bucks. Yeah. You're gonna get the R five C, which is like an R five with active cooling. So where do you so, think is this a weird product? It's number one seller right now, apparently. It's not a weird product because of the price. Okay. I think the price makes it a competitive option. Okay. So like so like if I were a professional YouTuber, let's say that like Technostatic went off the rails. Okay. okay? Suddenly, like, yeah. Like just suddenly went off the rails. I would not use an A one or an R five. You'd use an to, R5C. To record technostatic. I would have probably, I, I, I would still probably get a C7. Do you think, okay, do you think the R5C would have been a camera for me? Yes, 100%. I think, I does, think it that, does it I think that for stills. your use case, what's up? It shoots stills. It's, 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 it's exactly an, an R5. R5. Okay. Just, just without IBIS. Yeah, so IBIS is kind of like, clutch for photos, though. It's clutch for photos, but here's the thing, dude. A lot of Canon lenses, have, a lot of Canon's RF lenses have 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 have, have uh, uh, in lens stabilization. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the only thing you lose, right, is like if I put on my macro lens or like the fifteen to thirty five lens, that the lens and the body have stabilization. Right. I get eight stops. That's nutty. And like my twenty to seventy f two, that doesn't have uh, in lens stabilization because it's already a barrel. Right. You know what I mean? So I have to rely on IBIS for that. Yeah. So okay. like. Yeah, for for me, who's more uh, photographic centric, I think the R five is a better buy for me. But if this camera existed when you bought your A one and you bought an A one over this, it would be silly. I mean, like, it, well, it just would, I need, you know? I want stills and I want IBIS, so I probably would have still got the A one, but I would have felt bad because this camera is on honestly, yeah kind of clutch right like i kind of if you're the I cost think that, is awesome yeah. you know how like you get yeah. some people like i think it was like um uh who was it um gerald undone like he bought a bunch mm. of sony bodies because for a b camera stuff right but like if you're gonna use an a1 as an a or a b cam like you need like why not buy like this r5c instead because like 
yeah. if it's gonna yeah. live and breathe as a as a video camera, and so who cares if it has IBIS? It's gonna be cheaper than an A one. It's gonna be. It's gonna give you eight K. Actually, raw actually, can, in camera. Can I take that back? Okay. Can I take that back? Here's what I would do because I yeah. want to start a photography business on the side. I would get an R five. And I yeah. would get an R5C. Yeah. And then I would get the R5C as also like a secondary camera. Yeah. But I would predominantly use like wide angle lenses on it that you don't really need IBIS for. Okay. Yeah. So, 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 so like I would keep the 15 to 35 on it that has in lens civilization and you don't really need it because it's a shorter, right? It's a shorter, fo- it's a shorter f- focal length. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then so for video, I, you would just, uh, and then for video, I would just be the king. Yeah. You for know? sure. So I think that I, I think that would be the play. Okay. I think that would be the play. Okay. okay. Although I do like the features of the C70. Again, you know, we're talking in a vacuum. Uh, okay. You know, if if I was just doing podcast, YouTube channel, and Technostatic, I think I would get the C70. Okay. If I was doing hybrid stuff, I think I would get the R5C. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a neat camera, dude. I think that, uh, I think people will buy it. It's obviously sold out. So, and it's number one seller apparently on uh, yeah. B and H. So, wow, it's gonna be interesting to watch some videos. Are there any videos on it yet? There is. Okay, good, good. I'm kind of interested to hear some opinions. So, yeah. But yeah, man, let's move on. Next topic, real quick. Uh, so, what do we got here? So you you want to talk about the Nvidia Unlock on the co CPU co processor? I don't really know a whole lot about it, but apparently there's this feature in NVIDIA's GPUs and all 3000 series cards and some workstation cards that would allow the user to kind of use their GPU to offload some CPU tasks onto the graphics card. Uh, but it's only, it's, only, um, it's only coming to Max-Q processors and workstation cards currently, and there's no talk if it's coming to, to, to uh, like, like, like your main GeForce line. Okay. So, I mean... Why was it locked to begin with? I don't know. <laughs> I would say that it's new technology that wasn't ready yet because it wasn't even unlocked in their Quadro cards. Wow. You know what I mean? Okay. So, like, no card had it, I should say. So, so what like is it, it going to offer? So, well. it's an optimizer of some sort, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. I sent you a little article on it. Yeah, uh, I'm reading that's, up on that's it. That's about the extent of my knowledge as well. Um, okay. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Maximize it's, it's efficiency. Like the GSP, yeah, but it's called, like, the the... The like GSP, so like a command processor, and essentially what it'll do is is it can offload like background tasks to the GPU. Apparently, interesting. So like, so like if you have a processor that 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 is not efficient or kind of uh, long mm-hmm. in the tooth, I think the idea is is that you would be able to then buy just upgrade your graphics card and essentially also get like a processor upgrade in the in, in the process. That's kind of funny, you know, like kind of how like Intel. It's like an gen, SOC, dude. Yeah, kind of like how like Intel uh, uh, Intel twelfth gen uh, offloads like background tasks to the E cores. Yeah. Uh, apparently, you may be able to offload offload background tasks to your GPU, which is kind of crazy. Okay. To me, interesting. You know? Interesting. So, so yeah. I mean, that's cool, but uh, I just think okay, so it's not really like a um, uh, a negative on Nvidia. Maybe it was just something that wasn't ready. Because I was kind of thinking maybe like they were kind of being scummy. No, no, no no processor had it. And to be honest with you, to be totally frank, like with the current direction of desktop processors, like if if Intel 12th gen is any, you know, uh, 
like kind of peek into the looking glass of where processors are going to go. Uh, I don't think that, that this will really have a benefit on like high-end desktop, um, but I think that this would benefit people who are like like up until last year, my friend was still running a forty-seven seventy K. Nice, you know, like 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 four cores, eight threads. Yeah, and he had a ten, but 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 he had a ten ATI and he just played games. You know right. what I mean? So I feel like in those scenarios, if, if he could have gotten like a thirty eighty graphics card and also you know got some better CPU performance because some background tasks were offloaded to the GPU, I could see that being a pretty neat use case there. You know what I'm saying? No, I like that a lot actually. So I think that's cool. So, Provided that the Windows scheduler will let it happen with ease. <laughs> anyway, dude, yeah. so last topic of the night, dude. So Apple engineer uh, and director of Mac system architecture, Jeff Wilson, has announced Jeff Wilson, that's the same. that uh, on his LinkedIn profile, he's joined Intel and will working be working with Intel's engineering team in the creation of next generation SOCs. So yeah. I guess this is uh, one of the brainchilds behind the M1 uh, Apple Silicon chip, which we are enamored by, and all the uh, following chips, M1 Pro and Max. And I think that's this is a fascinating turn of events. I mean, obviously, when you get these high-level engineers, they're always bouncing between always, companies. Always. Um, I think that guy was at, was it Intel twice or NVIDIA twice? Yeah. One company was at twice. I forget which one it was, though. I'm unsure. But because uh, I'm really unfamiliar with like all these big players, I just know that um, for me, this is a significant thing because, you know, obviously this guy has a lot of insight into what happened with the M1 uh, and uh, Intel obviously is very interested in this because, you know, they've lost Apple's business. They uh, they were originally uh, putting chips into the MacBooks. Then mm-hmm. Apple's like, nah, dude, you suck. We're going Apple Silicon. We're going to do it our way. And it's because they got... Uh, big brains over there making kick-ass chips, dude. These uh, yeah. The chips in the iPhones, the iPads, they've been bleeding-edge ARM chips that have destroyed the competition. AMD, or not AMD, shit, Android uh, phones uh, could not compete as far as, like, performance, efficiency, uh, graphics. Like, the uh, Apple really had it locked down. Yeah. And they brought that uh, power to their laptops and now their desktops with their, uh, their Macs and their iMacs and everything. So... I think that I've been really, really impressed. So to see this guy jump ship and go to Intel, I think it's going to be pretty interesting because uh, Intel is going to wreak some of those benefits uh, and, and knowledge that this guy is going to bring. I think it's going to be uh, a good thing for Intel. And uh, I don't think it's really going to hurt Apple too much. I think that they've kind of got a, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they know where they're going. You know, Apple's going, they're already... In, the roadmap in the is right. planned out. They're yeah, the basically is in the like out. rinse repeat iterative phase. And yeah. when I say iterative, I don't mean like we're gonna see small improvements. I mean they have the blueprint to make greatness. We're gonna see yeah. you know, as 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 their process gets refined, they know what they need to do. You know. Exactly. They have the hardware to make it happen. It's really up to the software team to utilize it. They're going to be making better and better chips over the years. I'd say the next three to five years, you're going to see Apple Silicon continue to grow, and then the software is going to grow along with it. It's going to be excellent. So they are the roadmap's planned out, but Intel's been falling behind. You know, they, they AMD yeah. has came in. They've been uh, really muscling them uh, in the desktop department, in the server department, and um, you know, in Mac, uh, they lost the business, the Apple business. So uh, to see uh, what they're going to do next, I think that Intel planning into the future, because I think you're going to see ARM technology be more and more relevant 
uh, right. in mobile, you know, when I it comes so to too. laptops and I things like so that. I, Even I, on the I, Windows I think, side, it's going to be more and more relevant. I so. think that, you know, the, when you get to the level of, of this specific engineer, uh, you don't leave for money. You leave for exciting projects. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, I think you have to have that kind of mentality. And I think that he probably sees what Intel is doing, you know, with their 12th gen. It's, it's kind of a radical change from your, from, from, for, for a desktop processor, right? Yes. Yes. Radical yeah, P change. P-cores and E-cores when, when, when you literally have infinite TDP because you plug into a wall the entire time. Right. So, Isn't that weird though? Right. Like you would still do it. But why right. is that? You know, I want to know. It's be, it's right. probably because they want to unify platforms, right? You know you're going to want to do P and E cores for mobile. You want to be well, efficient. I've heard a few a few takes on it. That that was one of the takes. Okay. The the uh, other take is that Intel's IPC is so high that a lot of oh. these tasks that happen in the background, yeah. they can do for almost free on E cores. You so, know, this makes 100% sense. Think about it. For years, like, we've been wanting to, uh, like, clock up certain cores just to reduce the heat. Right, um, right. And so this is really just a better way to do it because you know you have those tasks that are going to be, like, those uh, low-power, low-consumption tasks. There's going to be, you know, very frequent amount of them. Having dedicated hardware for that that's, like, low-power but not really – it doesn't have to be fast. It just has to be able to churn out instructions mm-hmm. at an efficient rate. I think that's great, dude. Right. So, like, if you watch, like, Buildzoid or, like, Devour and stuff, yeah, it's really interesting to see them overclock 12th gen because they focus on the P-cores. And then he says that, like, because the P-cores are stable and the E-cores are so low power, you can jack up the E-cores for free. Wow. Because because you've already stabilized the high performance cores and the and and the and and, and the E cores share the same VRM. Right. So so he, he he was basically saying that like if you run you you know you know your P cores at a certain speed, you pretty much just get free performance or 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 free overclock on the E cores because they already have more than enough power to go well beyond what they're running at. Fantastic. So yeah, I think it's really interesting that uh, Intel. They picked up this uh, great architecture engineer. I think that we're going to yeah. have uh, some great things to see from Intel. I already love what they've done with 12th Gen. And uh, so I look forward to seeing what they do with mobile as well. And uh, maybe they, they break into ARM a little bit. I wonder if they will. Uh, and, I think and, they will. And build SOCs. And, uh, but um, yeah, I do want to cover one thing because I, I haven't seen this brought up anywhere. And now it really kind of big brained on me sure if you remember the 10th gen the 10900k was 10 cores 20 threads right okay and then the 11th gen came out and like gamers nexus came out and said that it was a total waste of sand <laughs> and it was worse than the 10900k yeah because they dropped it from 10 core 20 threads back to 816 right but maybe that was them getting the architecture down for the p cores that maybe. we see in the 12th gen because because the 12th gen has is is 816 on the p cores with eight efficiency cores. Okay. So maybe that was them kind of, you know, taking a step back to take a giant leap forward. Maybe dude. And I mean, to be optimistic, I hope so. Cause I, I do like the direction they're going. I know that, you know, AMD, you know, they initially wanted to compete with Intel by just throwing cores and threads at us. Didn't really stick until recently 
where they actually right. had really great single core performance to match. And now Intel's coming back swinging. You know, they don't yeah. necessarily compete in the core's threads department. So you might be able to muscle a uh, like a uh, Cinebench benchmark or something. But even then, like the single core performance is so strong that you see great Cinebench mon- numbers on these uh, 12th gen yeah. chips. Yeah. So I got 2188 and 29,000. So 2188 single yeah. on the on R23. That is. Yeah. That is crazy. Dude. Yeah, very strong. So, in a lot of a lot 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 of tasks, need a lot of single core performance. Yeah. So, me personally, if I was shopping today, that's where I would go. Twelfth gen for sure. Yeah, I think so too, man. But yeah, Apple engineer, fascinating. We'll see where that leads yep. in for Intel. Let's wrap up the pat. Let's wrap up the podcast. Wrap it up, wrap dude. It up, feels good dude. to be back, doesn't it, man? Feels really feels good to be great back. to be back, dude. It's been like a two-hour podcast, <laughs> so I'm glad to wrap it up, dude. So yeah, dude. we'll see you guys next week. We're gonna keep doing it weekly. We just wanted to take a break, but uh, yeah, Got a lot going on over the holidays. A lot going on, so. Yeah, if you, if you uh, want to see more of us, check us out. We're on every podcast platform that matters, uh, as YouTube. far as I know, and YouTube. Yeah. Watch us there. Give us a like and subscribe if you want to see more. And we'll see you guys next time on the Technocytic Podcast. Peace.